the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. I'm delighted to welcome to the show the author and the broadcaster with LBC, James O'Brien. James, always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, Listen, before we talk about Northern Ireland, another night of rioting in Belfast last night. Uh, Incredible there, the authorities taking water cannon to their own citizens uh, for the first time in several years. We should acknowledge... I suppose what is, regardless of people's views on the monarchy, it is a historic day for the UK, nonetheless, the passing of Prince Philip. It is. I, I was on air when the announcement reached us from the palace. We'd had a, a sort of cautious heads up earlier from from some contacts, but you're never entirely sure. And obviously, recently with his illness, there have been a couple of what I suppose have to be called false alarms. But yeah, the the I mean, the focus here is now almost entirely devoted to his passing and the and the sort of retrospective of, of those 99 years. A kind of remarkable life in a lot of ways. It was. I, I mean, you, you can imagine what it's like in the studio. You're getting texts and tweets in that are, shall we say, disrespectful is probably the most diplomatic way one, one can put it. And, and, you know, he was very much a a man of his age, wasn't he? A man of his generation. So, so there are... Um, okay skeletons in the closet I suppose in some of the things he said and some of the attitudes he seemed to have adopted over the years but what emerged while I was on air and talking to a succession of royal experts and the like while the screens were on in the background so you know you've got your BBC and your your Sky and your ITV uh, no no RTE obviously in in London but the um, all of the footage actually what struck me was how much smiling he engendered as much as did it was you know he was always trying to make people laugh always trying to bring some levity into proceedings. And, and one of my contributors told me that that actually was a mark of his relationship with the Queen as well. So he would always be trying to make her laugh. Most famously, it wasn't a story I'd heard, Kieran, to be honest with you, but at the coronation itself in the 50s, he uh, uh, after she'd sort of concluded the, the, the pomp and pageantry and he'd done his little bit about being her leech uh, and whatever it may be, she sat there next to him and he apparently turned to her and said, where did you get that hat? <laughs> 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 Which I thought was pretty pretty special, actually, on the moment. Yeah, it was. How how warmly regarded is he in the UK? I suppose here there's a fascination for a number of different reasons. There's the celebrity <laughs> thing. There is yes. the nearest neighbours thing. There is the complicated yes. history thing. And if I'm being honest, there's the crown in the last few years, which everybody is watched. It? And yeah. I think that has probably sparked a bit of interest as well. You know, I, I got handed a package, as you could imagine. That there's a, a big sort of button, metaphorical button that gets pressed and a lot of pre-prepared material is uh, activated. So I got handed a fairly hefty sheet of, of, of papers and I, I was about to read out one of the quotes um, when I noticed it was actually from the Crown. So even in the process of putting together <laughs> putting together my notes to do the official uh, live announcement, uh, that the Crown had managed to infiltrate that as well. I, I think it was a, it's a very humanizing series you know whether it is obviously um gospel truth or not is 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 not really the point because it, it reminded us of the flesh and blood of the royals didn't it rather than the the, the, the public images and the official p- depictions but he I, I think it's fair to say he, he was a very very popular member of the royal family it's his it's the next generation that have had most of the problems you know charles has moved in and out of public affections. The, the, the death of Diana, Princess of Wales, probably presented the entire family with the most existential threat 
uh, of the last hundred years. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, obviously, Andrew still uh, has some very, very mm. unpleasant questions to answer. And and now the fr- fractious relationship or the, the, the fissure that's grown up between William and Harry. But, but Prince Philip, oddly, for someone who clearly had a very strong personality and spent all of his public life playing a second fiddle he, he somehow managed to walk that tightrope and I, I think it's probably fair to, I'm not a massive royalist myself but I think it's fair to say that he, he he really couldn't have been held in a greater affection by by the British public by the public that care about the royal family I would probably say apart from his wife apart from the queen herself he, he, he's been by far the most popular member of the royal family over my lifetime oh, well, we spoke to the former Irish president Mary McAleese in the last hour mm. and you can listen back to that interview it's on the news talk App, you mentioned the screens in front of you, Sky News, yeah. BBC, ITV News. Let me ask about them and some of the coverage in the United Kingdom of another story. And it's what has <laughs> been happening in in Northern Ireland over the past number of days. There has, I suppose, in the last maybe, you know, 18, 24 hours, a lot of those stations have cottoned on that this is actually important and this is happening. Now, maybe uh, attention has been diverted because of Prince Philip's passing. Yourself yes. and, and some others and Sheila Fogarty, your colleague and, and other people have been banging the drum. You were banging it a little in the wilderness for a few days. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not you're not wrong. And I, I know you did a great roundup of the, of the UK front pages yesterday, which featured not a mention of, of what is going on in Belvoir. And you made the point that, that I've also made that if this was Birmingham or, or, or you know, Dover or uh, Manchester or Edinburgh, then it's hard to imagine there'd be anything else on the front pages at the moment certainly when there were there were riots in london um when boris johnson was mayor it was international news uh, from from the point of view of the london media but there is i don't know kieran to be honest with you whether or not it's just business as usual with the sort of arrogant disregard for events in northern ireland or whether it's actually been made worse by brexit in the Mm. sense that certainly from a newspaper point of view i mean almost all of our newspapers remain uh, committed to pretending that Brexit was in any way a good idea. And so to see predictions that came from, you know, political forces as disparate as Tony Blair and John Major come horribly uh, true, I fully appreciate there's an awful lot more going on than the Northern Ireland Protocol in the, in the scenes that we've seen over the last few nights. I, I, I'm fully cognizant of that, but no mm-hmm. one's going to argue that it's not part no. of the of the picture. And so I, I don't know. I can't work it out whether or not they're holding back from providing coverage that, would have been there if it didn't contain proof that they've been wrong about what the impact would be in Northern Ireland or, or whether it is just that historic problem of of, of Northern Ireland being uh, out of sight and therefore out of mind in the British media, in much of the British media. You, you're right to say that they're catching up now, still not on front pages today, newspaper-wise. There won't be anything in the papers over the weekend except Prince Philip, except the Duke of Edinburgh. That's... Um, that 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 would be true wherever these mm. scenes were were unfolding. But there is, uh, yeah, I mean, like I say, that that curious tension between the the historic disregard uh, uh, for for Northern Ireland and and the new flavour of coverage because of the lens of Brexit. It, it would be a lie to say there isn't disregard sometimes here in the south for Northern Ireland as well, and a certain degree of apathy as well about things happening. But at the same time. Yeah. You know, you mentioned, and I mentioned about if this was happening in another British city. I mean, Boris Johnson, I want to ask about. He would be tweeting mm. so much about Cobra meetings, you'd half expect to see You'd him think with so. the flag jacket on. 
Yeah, well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, a normal British prime minister, that would certainly be true of. But when there were <laughs> riots, when there were riots in London and he was mayor of London, he had to be, I'm told, um, lent on quite heavily to come back from his holiday. So, I mean, he is a, a spectacularly lazy and self-obsessed man. Um, uh, and, and so that, as ever with Johnson, is probably the biggest factor in, in his treatment. I'll tell you what shocked me. I was looking at the conference speech he gave at the DUP conference in 2018. Yes. And, and he literally described, I mean, literally and precisely explained why, and these are his words now, no conservative prime minister could contemplate doing X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z being signing up to a withdrawal agreement that would involve putting Northern Ireland on a different footing to the rest of, of the United Kingdom. And then two years later, he went and did it. I mean, it is, you know, I follow these things quite closely and there are days when I wonder whether I'm going mad. But that that was just breathtaking to see him literally describing why a withdrawal agreement that put Northern Ireland on a different footing from the rest of, of the UK would be catastrophic and dangerous and damaging. And then, lo and behold, fast forward two years, solely out of career advancement and self-interest he, he 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 did it himself so I, I went on the show today i went as far as suggesting that he has um he possibly sacrificed the entire peace process or certainly potentially sacrificed the good friday agreement on the altar of nothing but his own personal ambition and i still struggle to process the the egregiousness of that the you know the the, the sheer shame of it all because of the apathy and disregard, how much of a constitutional crisis would be precipitated by a border poll in the UK? At the senior levels of government, yeah. it, of course it would be a crisis. But I'm, I'm talking maybe more in terms of the, the public realm. How many people would care? I, I think that's a brilliant question. And I think the pre-referendum, the, the, the answer would have been uh, enough for it to matter politically but post-referendum because Brexiters are now committed to pretending that whatever happens as a consequence of Brexit was either desirable or something that they knew about even when it's blatantly obvious to everybody else that they're talking out of their backsides uh, I think you'd have a, 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 a an almost resigned um, if, if the choice is between waving goodbye to Northern Ireland and admitting that Brexit is a disaster and that all of the Remainer rhetoric and project fear is now coming completely true. With Boris Johnson in Downing Street and with this particular cabinet, the vote leave cabal that is now running the country, I think a lot of them would choose, and, and the newspapers for the reasons I've explained to you, because they've nailed their colours so squarely to the to the broken mast of Brexit, that I, I think that a lot of people would actually wave goodbye to Northern Ireland, so the people that voted to make Britain great again would end up cutting cutting it off at the knees. That's interesting. I mean, mm. you kind of skipped over the Remainers there. I mean, it is the Remainers' fault that all this is happening, though. <laughs> I don't know who you've been reading, but there's plenty of them out there. And I found an old tweet of my own, actually, from uh, from four years ago, would you believe? So from, from 2017, saying it'll all be blamed on us. It'll be me and Lily Allen that get the blame for this, or it'll be Brussels, or it'll, because that's how the, the, the right-wing media works. The, I don't know if you, if, if you can get a full picture of it if you're not here every day, but the gulf now between observable reality, and I used to hate the phrase mainstream media, because of course we are part of it, and it's often used as some sort of pejorative, but the huge bulk of commercial media in this country, so media that is owned by people as opposed to um, the BBC, the huge bulk 
is so far removed from observable reality that it, it will be. It will gather um, pace, the idea that it's all gone wrong because of the people who explained why it would all go, go wrong. So here's a headline in the mail today. Ruth Dudley-Edwards, uh, the um, historian, has written under the headline, Spiteful EU has fanned the flames. And that's that's talking about events in, in, um, in Northern Ireland. I mean, I don't know how you could be so removed from reality to try to make that point. But of course, the choice is admitting they were wrong and we all find it very hard to admit we were wrong. 